a snow day in your life? Raise your hand. This is what happens. If you're not familiar, the snow, there's so much snow, people can't go outside, can't get anywhere, and the school's all closed, you know, and so you may have heard about those. And, and so we had a snow day. Uh, the, 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 we had to start late. We had to go because we were uh, adults. And uh, so... <laughs> We, we had to start late, still dangerous, but we, we still had to go, but there was snow days everywhere, and, and then that night, I had to, I shoveled the driveway of the house where I was staying, I shoveled the walk, I, I've not, fe- I felt like I was 15 years old, it was really an amazing day, back in school, uh, and then the next day, it was, it was like negative, a thousand wind chill or something like that, I don't know, it's, it's how it converts Celsius Fahrenheit, you know, so, um, but I'm just really, it's so good just to be home, and it's so good just to be uh, with a church family, and it's just so good to be in sunshine. And um, so it is great to be here. And uh, we're, if you're, if you're new here today, we're in a series in January uh, about the whole idea of margin. I, I was reflecting on this during, during the week. I was watching uh, a basketball game, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I know are your favorite team and mine. And um, I was watching, they were playing their arch rival, the Golden State Warriors, boo. And um, so they're playing them and their rivals. And to be fair, the Warriors are probably the best team around. And so the Cavs are a bit of an underdog. And I'm watching this game and it's the first half and I'm watching. And, I, and it was actually really close. And so I'm watching. I was by myself. And so I was allowed to scream and yell and do things like that. And I'm watching. And I was feeling a bit like this. You know, I don't know if you ever, ever felt that because they were in it. They were in the game. And then the Cavs had a seven-point lead. And I'm watching the game and I'm like, oh, my goodness, we are really doing good. And I, I think if I had a picture of myself, I'd probably look like this. I was on the edge of my chair. Uh, if you took a, a monitoring of my heart rate, it was probably up. Basically, in my mind, I'm kind of part of the team. And, uh, and so, you, you know, teams are about, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in the game or on the bench, you got to be involved. And so I'm, I'm in there. I'm doing my bit. I'm doing my part, but I'm feeling tense. My heart rate's up. I'm just on the edge. Of my, I'm feeling tense because I was like, we're winning. We're winning. We're winning. But I'm looking at score. I'm like, but it's only a seven-point lead. It's like we're, we're ahead, but we're just barely ahead. And I just had this bad feeling like if, if something goes, you know, just not quite the way we're hoping, I don't think this is going to finish well. And so the whole first half, that's how I felt. And the second half started. We had this kind of lead, and then pretty soon it was clear that that lead was not enough. It was not enough. And, uh, and all the tension went out of me, not because it was headed towards a good place, but because it was now that the margin had gone so far the other way. There was no more need to be tense. Uh, I went to the bench. The subs went in. It was over. Now, I don't know if you know that feeling, but it's like when things are tight and when things are close and you're not quite sure how it's going to land, there's something in it that kind of just starts to feel a little tense. And, and whereas when there's margin, this thing I love about the whole idea of margin, when there's actually some space. I mean, if the Cavs had like an 80-point lead, I, I wouldn't have felt safe at 10, 20, or 30. But 80-point lead, if there had been some margin, I actually could have sat back and enjoyed the game, you know. But here's, here's the thing we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about, you know, margin. We've been thinking about it in our, our time, how we schedule our lives, all these things. It's, it's January. Most of us are it's still in kind of the zone of thinking about what do I want my life to look like this year? Or, or maybe it's, it's, you know, it's kind of late January. You probably gave up on what we want our life to look like this year, you know. So you might be in either of those camps. Uh, but what we're going to think about today is the whole idea of what does it look like to have margin in our finances, and the reason we're going to look at this one as well, and, uh, and this is a, a series comes from Life Church, Pastor Craig Rochelle, great series. I've been listening to this myself this week, and, you know, God's been using my life. I hope he'll use it in yours today because here's my dream uh, for every one of us. One of the reasons we'll talk about finances, the Bible talks so much about finances, because there are a few things that can end up creating that feeling of like, oh, man, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. Then when we have no margin 
in our finances. And if we put our hands up, I, I would almost guarantee everybody in this room at some point in your life knows what it's like to live with very little margin and, and some pressure that gets exerted because of our finances. It's one of the biggest kind of causes of conflicts and challenges in relationships, uh, in families. It could put pressure in workplaces. There's all kinds of ways that when there's just no margin. And so what we're going to talk about is how do we have and what does the Bible have to say about how we can actually know some peace when it comes to this area of our life? Because my hope for you and, and for all of us, I believe God wants us to have lives where we, we can live at peace. So we're going to look at some of what the Bible's wisdom has to say into this. We're going to start in Proverbs. Proverbs is full of wisdom in all sorts of areas. And, I, and I, we're going to start in this verse, 2120. It says this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, uh, but fools gulp theirs down. What, what I want you to understand in the beginning of this today, some may have gone margin, finances, you know, kind of peace. I'm already feeling a little uncomfortable for some reason we talk about these things, feel a little uncomfortable. Or, or maybe you think margin, that's, well, sure, margin, that's a great idea, but it's a great idea for someone who has more than me. Where I live, I'm, uh, I'm feeling that there's just, there is no margin, and so I have to live with that kind of tension. I, I want you to understand one thing this morning. This is not a rich versus poor uh, dis, kind of discussion. What we're looking at is what does wisdom look like? You see, if we went back to uh, that verse and said, if we were going to write it, we might write it like this. We'll go back to 2120 for a moment. We might have written it up and go, the wealthy have, you know, kind of store up and have choice food and olive oil. It's the wealthy who, who have all the, the stores of it. Uh, not, but that's not what it says. It says it's the wise. What this is talking about is what does it mean to have some margin in your resources? The Bible says the wise create that. You know, whenever I think of, um, you know, gulping down, uh, uh, and I think about that a lot, um, you know, I, 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 I love, and, and I don't know if you've had them, uh, you know, peanut butter and chocolate is kind of a controversial topic. But uh, I, I, Reese's peanut butter cups, anybody, anybody a fan? You know, it's a little, it's kind of polarizing. Now, I, I, don't, I love them, but what I really love are the miniature ones. Have you had the miniature ones? Uh, now, if you don't like the big ones, you may not like the little ones, but they're, they're little tiny ones. And they're, they're, they're just so small. And, and I have a friend who travels to the U.S. a lot for work, and so when she comes back, she often brings a bag. We had lunch, our, our family and, and, and her and her husband, before Christmas, and she brought me this bag, and she said, I brought these for you. And she gives them to me, and she says, but Dean, remember, these are for Levi and Lisa also. And I was offended. <laughs> and I, why, why would you feel the need to say that? Again, the problem is she's a friend, so she knows me. And the thing about these Reese cups, like, I really love them. Um, my wife has sometimes said, you don't really love them, because if you love them, you would actually cherish each one and not just <laughs> pop them like they're going out of style. But when I get them, I, I just I gulp them down. And so she'll bring, like, a whole bag, and there's all these, and I'll sit down to watch a game. And before I know it, I'm unwrapping them, and I'm, I'm eating them, I'm popping them down, and they're just going. Now, the problem as well with the miniatures is there's a wrapper, otherwise called evidence. And so, you know, she'll be like, how many did you eat? I don't know, three, four? Well, there's 25 rappers right there. I, I'm not sure where those came from. They, uh, you know, mispackaged. But here's the thing. 
I, it just there's something like if I just sit down with them, I'm just gulping. They're good. I don't really think about how, you know what I what I that's not wisdom. That's why if you come to my house, sadly, there are no stores of miniature Reese peanut butter cups. I I wish I could say whenever you come to my house, there's stores of them. They're all no, they come and go pretty quick. Lisa will be like, they're gone oh, oh, already. Like I'm I'm sorry. I'm foolish. <laughs> um, this is the thing. Why, why does that happen? Because my, 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 my brain hasn't kicked in. I'm not using logic. I'm not really thinking. The time they, they go fast is when I just sort of grab them, I sit them there, and I'm thoughtlessly just kind of chewing through them. That's not a wise way to steward Reese peanut butter cups, and it's not a wise way to steward our finances, where we don't really give thought to what's happening. And what he's saying is the wise, they, they don't, it's not a question of, hey, if you, know, if you just have all this resource, then you'll have margin. You know what? If you have this much resource and you use this much resource, you have not created a store. It doesn't matter if it's a lot. If you only start with this much, but you say, you know what? I'm going to not use all of it. I'm going to start to create some store. You've already created margin. It's not rich versus poor. It's what do we do with what's been put in our hands. And so the, the, the wisdom of the Proverbs is that the wise, they, they store up. They don't use everything they've got. Whatever that amount is. Margin is the amount for in every area, as we talked about this, margin is what is left over after what's necessary. And so margin creating is about going, okay, here's, here's, here's what I have. I'm not going to use all of that. I'm going to create some margin. Start to create some storing. Because when there's a store, there becomes a little bit more peace. Now, we all know it would be nice to have this and experience it. I know it would be Nice to have a cupboard full of miniature Reese peanut butter cups. Why don't we create this? You know, the, 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 the reality is this is not just a practical problem. They're, they're, the, the scriptures speak to this in spiritual terms. And in 1 Timothy, Paul is writing, and, and he writes these words, and these are great words for us. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me hear you say great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So good. This is something that is fantastic. This is something that is great in your life. Godliness with contentment. He says, and it's a great thing. Contentment's a great thing because he says, we have brought nothing into the world. We came with nothing. We can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Such an easy trap to fall into if I just had a little bit more. And they fall into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It creates lives when we just want a little bit more that we feel tense and we're going down all these. And Paul says, going on, for love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, eager for a bit more, have wandered away from the faith even and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's all kinds of pain and turmoil in their lives. Do you know what I love about this passage is, what he's talking about here is fundamentally, where do we find kind of peace and joy and happiness? And what he says is that there is one way, and that is the, the desire to, for, to be rich, the love of money. I want a little bit more. Can I tell you something about our culture? This is one of the reasons why creating margin is so difficult for us. Living out the Proverbs verse is so difficult because we live in a world that says here's what happiness is. Happiness is a little bit more than what you have right now. That's what happiness. You know what's going to be happy? What will make me happy? Just a little bit more than I currently have. 
If I just had that nicer car, if I just had that little bigger house, if I just had, you know, the, the newer kind of shoes or the newer whatever you're looking for, if I just had this one thing. And our entire culture is literally kind of set up to help us believe this lie, that happiness will come if I have just a little bit more. It's what retail's built on. It's what commercials are built on. It's what, you know, the, the whole Boxing Day sales are built on if I just had a little bit more. And we often think that if I just had a little bit more finances, if I just had a little bit more, then I'd, I'd, then I'd be happy. Then I'd, then I'd receive it. You know what this verse says? No, no, you know what, where happiness comes from? You know what is great gain? Do you know what is so good for you? You can hear Paul kind of pleading with him. Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It is so good. Do you know what? Contentment is about being grateful for what I currently have. You know, we live in a kind of consumer world that says, if I just had a little bit more, contentment is the absolute opposite that says, I am grateful for what I currently have. I'm grateful for it. Actually, I'm going to stop thinking about if I just had this much more, and I'm going to start, going to begin to think, God, thank you for what I have. I was thinking a lot this week about how could I be more content this year. And one of the things I just felt God kind of speaking to me about. And, and how do you do this? I want to be content to just spend time. You know, so much energy and mental vision can get focused on the future and what I want to focus that same amount of energy around thankfulness for what I have. Imagine that. I think it breeds contentment. I always remember I had this experience. Many of you would have had similar if you traveled in different kind of parts of the world, when the church I used to be at, we partnered with a, a church in a slum uh, kind of village area of Nairobi in Kenya. And so we went there over a few years, uh, you know, several times, got to know a lot of the people in that community. I remember one trip in particular, there was a, a, a couple, and they wanted me to come to their home uh, for kind of morning tea. And they didn't really speak English. Some of the people spoke English. They kind of invited Lisa and myself through a translator. And they invited us, you know, come to our house. Come, you know, we want you to, and, and it was kind of some, some degree of that. We want to, we just want you to see our home and come be our guests. So we went with them one day. They came and we'd arranged a time and they walked us. And we went through to a whole different part of that area that we'd never been to. And they took us to their home. I can remember so little about that time other than these images. One of kind of walking there with them. And, and when you're in a, a space like that, you're walking past things that in our definitions wouldn't qualify necessarily as homes or neighborhoods. And you walk in through this kind of, you know, there's, there's incredible poverty all around you, the brokenness of the roads and the sewage, all these things. And we get to their house, and it was kind of on an outer edge. I remember that much. And I remember sitting with this couple. And again, now there was no translator, and there was just kind of them and us. Barely could communicate anything together. And they took us to their home, and they sat us down uh, just outside it on these chairs, this kind of makeshift little area they'd put together. And they served us. I just remember the tea and this, what I would call a donut. You know, it was, uh, it was some kind of dough that had been, you know, kind of deep fried or something like that. And I could tell that my love of donuts had transcended culture for them. And so they had... They gave us these donuts, and they were so simple, and it was so delicious. And we just kind of sat mostly in silence because we couldn't communicate, but we sat in this place of enjoying one another and enjoying this company and looking out, and somehow it was good. They were grateful that we were in their home, that we had come, that we had made that time. And, and, and here's the thing. I, always, I think about, you know what, if somebody, now let's just be honest, any one of us by virtue of the time and place we've been born, there is a series of levels between sort of, let's just say, my tax bracket and theirs. You know, we've all kind of hit the, the genetic lottery of the time and place in history where we were born. And yet, 
And I thought, you know, if I had someone who there was as big a gap probably between, and they, they you know, but to, and they were coming to my house, I would be feeling like, man, I've got to have this, I've got to have that. I feel that when anyone comes over, you know, in my house, I better make sure it's like this, or, or we serve them that, or, or we better do this. But you know what? They, they were content to actually just have us into their home. And if you've ever been to the two-thirds world, the majority world, the way the majority of the world lives, the developing world, whatever you want to call it, no doubt if you have ever visited there, you will share the same experience. You have people who go all the time say, it, what breaks our framework down is the level of contentment that is experienced there. In situations that we would just say, uh, how could you, and there is a level of contentment that transcends what do I have. And that's not to romanticize or to pretend that, oh, that's okay or that's fine. That, that, but there is a lesson that we have to learn in what it means to be content. And to know, I'm thankful for what I have. And I want to have the peace and space in my life to be able to share it with others. Without worrying about, you know, hey, how, how much is this? How's this working? It, it, and I, contentment, it's great gain. It's great gain, and it has nothing to do with how much we have. You know, there is a, the the uh, the idea of living with more contentment, the idea of living with more margin, the idea of of going, you know, what I don't constantly have to have that one more thing. We 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 all. I'm sure in this room, love the idea of going, you know what, not having to live tense with my finances, but knowing I could live at peace because there's some margin, I'm content with what I have, there's some space. Now, why don't we do it? Uh, uh, why does this not happen? Why is this not the normal pattern of our world? Because like I said, we live in probably some of the wealthiest period of human history. Why, why is there not more margin just being experienced by everybody? And we all are smart. We know if we want margin, there's only two ways to get it. Either have a little bit more income or spend less. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty simple one to, to, to have to, to work out. Why doesn't it just happen? And I want to suggest to you that the primary reason is because this isn't a practical, it's not actually a mathematics question. It is a spiritual question. It, it, the, the, you know, Jesus, when he talks about finances, he says it this way. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He says, don't store all this stuff up, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, this verse why does Jesus have to say, don't store up treasures on yourself? Don't think if I only had a little bit more. Don't make the focus of your life if I could just have a little bit more here, a little bit. Why does Jesus have to say that? Because he knows it is the way of our world. It is the way of our culture. It is the way of our, our sinful broken hearts that we desire to store up more for ourselves on earth. You know, I, I, I'm not sure we need to parse exactly what does it mean to have treasures in heaven. When I was a youth pastor, I, I used to just tell my youth leaders, they were, you know, all kind of young adults, younger than me, and you're like, oh, why do we have to do all this? I'd be like, don't worry, you're going to have treasure in heaven. You know, I had two things I always offered them, treasures in heaven and expired candy bars. <laughs> there was someone in our church, I don't remember how, but they, when the candy bars were expired and they couldn't sell them anymore, they would give them to me because that's what you do with things, you give it to church. And so they would give me, and I'd be like, hey, you know why? She was because I'll give you an expired picnic bar and some treasure in heaven. You know, this is going to be really good. And, um, but here's the thing. 
You know what, what Jesus is getting at here is there are always going to be two ways to live. One is I'm focused kind of on this world. I want more the things of this world. And Jesus knows that's the current of culture. That's the current of the kingdom of this world. That's the current of our fleshly desires. But he says, but no, store up treasure in heaven. Live in light of heavenly realities. Let your focus be in the kingdom of heaven. It, let, let, let you not get so consumed with the things of this world, but rather keep your focus on the things of the kingdom of heaven. It is a spiritual issue. Everything in this world and around us, it pushes us, and including our own fleshly desires, I want more. When Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that. That's what the world does. The kingdom, the kingdom works different. You know, this is, and this is not a message about giving, but I want to tell you something. It's impossible to talk about what does it actually mean to create margin in your life and understand what peace in your finances looks like without talking about giving in the scriptures. Because of all the wisdom that scriptures have, one of the biggest ones is about how do you put God first in your finances. If we want to create margin, it always begins by putting God first. Anything else is just good financial planning. And we're called to something bigger than good financial planning. You know, in Malachi, the famous verse about the tithe, you see God speaking to his people. And, it, and the tithe is about bringing the first tenth, the first and best of what you have. And God says, you know, bring it. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there might be food in my house. And I love this phrase. He says, test me in this. You know why he says test me? Because he knows the human response is always, but we're already struggling. I can't do it. And Jesus, as you feel God just going, like, just test me in it. Believe me. If you will put me first, the situation of your life will change. He says, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing there won't be enough room to store it. And you hear God just trying to say to people almost like, just test me, just believe me in this. I, I want to break the attachments of your heart that the human heart will always go, me first. And God's like, I want to break that. And I want you to go, no, God first. That's why we do this. It's actually a spiritual dynamic at play. And when we do that, when we begin to put God first in our finances, and it's about so much more than just a tithe, but when we begin to put God first in our finances and how we live, it breaks, it breaks the fundamental pull of our heart that says my life is about me first. And it says, no, my life is about God first. And things begin to happen. You know, God, God, God we, we, our, our, our lives begin to look different. The state of our hearts begins to look different. You know, somebody, and this is just totally unprompted story, someone was sharing with one of our pastors the other week, just saying, you know, we, we moved to this country not too long ago, but a little while back, and they just found they were experiencing just pressure, tension, you know, in the finances, constantly, constantly. And this was going on for a long time, and they went, you know what, we're not giving to God through, through the church. We're not giving to him. And they decided, you know what, we're going to do that. We're going to get back to, to following God's word on this. We're going to do that. And he just was sharing this story. It had nothing to do with even knowing this message was coming. He said, the crazy thing was, ever since that point, it's like we started to build up some margin. The pressure started to lessen. And they were able in the last little while to actually get new cars for their family, two new cars. And instead of that becoming something that put pressure and stress on them, they were just amazed at how there was, like, margin. Now, if you hear that and think I'm telling you that to go, well, you should give so that you hopefully get new cars. You missed the point. And then believe you me, if you go, wow, this is great, I'm going to start tithing today because I'm going to get them me those two new cards. Guess what? <laughs> God cannot be mocked. That's what the scriptures say. You, we don't give because we hope to get something, but we give because a fundamental belief system changes. That I'm going to put God first. I'm going to trust him, and I believe that there is more life and blessing found in that than in saying I better look out for number one. You know, this is one of those first things that has to 
happen if we want to begin to build margin. I want to tell you a second thing as well that has to happen. We have to shift the order from my life is about me first to it's about God first. And the second thing is we have to begin to say kind of less is more. We have to embrace that idea of contentment and say, I'm going to choose what is better and I'm going to choose I'm going to choose what is less. Here's what I mean by that. I, l- I love this proverb where it talks about better. Better. Let me hear you say better. better. It's better. Is it worse or is it, is it better? It's better. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. We actually have to say, you know what? It's actually just better to have less and have it with the fear of the Lord than to have great wealth. But turmoil in your heart and turmoil in your spirit. It would be better to have less and to know I'm walking with God. The choice to choose the better little with the fear of the Lord, it, it is, again, something that runs totally counterculture. And we have to actually embrace a whole different kind of life, a whole different kind of kingdom living. I was in the, one of my other favorite things to do when I'm in the U.S. One of my first lunches always has to be a place that also is a little controversial called Taco Bell. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of being there, but as soon as I get there, I'm like, oh, lunch, where are you going? I'm, I'm heading to Taco Bell. I went to Taco Bell. I'm always after chalupas. Has anybody had the chalupas? It's like a gordita, but deep fried. And if you're like, what's a gordita? Just get to Taco Bell. And um, they're coming to Australia, apparently. You know, the Lord's good. And um, <laughs> it's that whole just blessing. And uh, so the uh, so I go there, and, I, and I'm like, I just want these chalupas. And I always get them with a, a Baja sauce, and that's my recommendation to you. They come supreme. But if you order the Baja sauce, which is now called something like Spicy Ranch, but just say Baja, and they'll know what you're talking about. So I'm like, can I get two chalupas with the Baja sauce? And the guy's like, yep, that'll be $5.50. Or, you know, I think that was about what it was. And, um, and he's like, that'll be $5.50. And, and I said, and, and then he goes, but you know what? Uh, if you just spent, I think, you know, for six fifty, or maybe say like so $6.50 or, or 7 I can't remember the number. He's like, you could get the whole meal. And then it comes with an extra Supreme Taco and about eight liters of Mountain Dew. And, um, <laughs> and I had, <laughs> it really does. Like I said, it's so good they're coming. <laughs> and, uh, and I had ordered, you know, I just started, I just said, I want two chalupas. And I said, and just a glass of water. I just want a cup of water, you know, just give me. And, and he's like, but that, and, 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 and I was like, so he tells me, you know, you can get the, you can get the, the taco and all, all the Mountain Dew. And, and I was like, yeah, all right, that's good, great, yeah, give me, give me the meal. I mean, that makes sense, you know. I mean, that taco would have been like two bucks and eight liters of Mountain Dew would have been another three bucks. So, wow, what a deal, you know, look at all I'm saving. And I was like. And so I'm like, yeah, give me, give me. And then he starts to ring it up. He's like, all right, that'll be set. And I, and I was like, you know, then the spirit of the Lord came on me. And I was, I was like, no, it wasn't quite like that. But it was like something clicked in my head. And I was like, no, no, I don't, actually. I, I, I don't want the meal. I just want two chalupas and a glass of water. I, I don't need eight liters of Mountain Dew, you know. I don't actually need it. And I don't actually need that. Talk. Like, two chalupas, this is actually a pretty decent meal. Like it, and, and I said, no. And he looked at me like I had two heads, you know. It was like, like uh, uh, okay, clearly, you know. Like, you obviously, and I was like, yes, that's right. Yeah, re-ring it up. Water, chalupas, that's it, you know. And it was like us for another planet. You know why? Because we live in a world that constantly says just a little bit more. Oh, no, that's, I mean, it's only a buck fifty. You know, it's only, it's only this. It's only that. It's only just a little bit more. We have to actually say, no, I choose 
less. And believe me, I get it wrong. Don't take it. Then the rest of the trip, I never overdid it, not once. Yeah, right. I was in America, people. So um, I'm not saying I get this right every time. Absolutely not. But I am saying I want to be a person who says, you know what? I'm going to choose less. What, what, what do I need all that for? That's awesome you get to throw it. Like, less. Better, I'd rather have a little with the fear of the Lord. I'd rather know I don't have everything I wanted, but I don't have the turmoil that comes with it either. Peace in the Lord. You know, my hope and my prayer for you and just for our church, you know, and this, this won't be for everybody. Some of you are like, you know what, what you're hearing today is you're going, I'm, thank God, because you've lived by his wisdom and his principles maybe for a lifetime. And you can testify to people you know it's better to live God's ways. And for others, you maybe are going and maybe you're feeling, you're like, you know what, I know this year, I want that peace. I want to put some margin in. I, I want to I hear the fullness of what the, the, the scripture's wisdom is on our finances. And you want to know why? Because here's the outcome of all of it. Here's, here's the great outcome. There's one more proverb I want to read you. This is really kind of God speaking. He's personified as wisdom in the Proverbs. And so, but he, he says this. He says, with me, with wisdom, with God, are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. This is God saying that, you know what, when you, when you live with me, and you live into me, it's actually better than fine gold. It's actually better than the greatest riches this world has to offer. You know, riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity, you know, that, that maybe all of everything we ever wanted in this life here and now won't come. But guess what? The things of this life, they rot and they destroy, but with God is enduring goodness. It will go on forever. Do you know what happens when we live his way? We don't end up with kind of less. We end up with more of what matters most. We get to live with the peace of the kingdom of God. We get to live uh, with, with a sense of our, our lives are going uh, about so much more than just the things of this world. You know, if, if you think, you know, I, I want that, I want to live into this, there's, there's always these two parts. Like I said, there's a spiritual reality that we actually have to, to break with the the current of our culture and say, I'm choosing to live a kingdom way. There's spiritual reality. Something has to shift in our hearts. And the second thing, though, is then there is a practical outworking. And one of the things I wanted to, I guess, make available for anyone who thinks, you know what, this year, 2018, I want to experience more. I want not, not oh, I want to know how can I kind of get rich or have more. Or get, but No, I want to know how can I have peace when it comes to my finances. Whether you got a lot, whether you got a little. How can I have peace with what I have. We've got a seminar that will be on the 31st of January. And it's put on by uh, a group called Freedom Corp. The guy who uh, started Freedom Corp is a, a man named Ian Tate. Used to be part of this church for a long time. And their mission in, in this organization he's begun is to help not like super wealthy people get financially free, but to help ordinary people experience peace in their finances. And if you think, you know what, I want to I do that. I can tell you, you know, I've, I've uh, had conversations with him about what he does and those things. It, what they do is just to create some strategies and some steps and some practical working out to say, how can I live according to kind of God's principles on this 
and experience peace in your finances. So they're going to do for us a, a free seminar Wednesday, 31st of January, 730 at the Merrill campus. If you want to go to that, be a part of that, uh, you can register for that on the True North app. It's not something, you're not going to be put on the spot or have to stand up and say, here's, you know, I get the value meal every time. I'm sorry, you know, I might do that myself and say, you know, but it's not like that. It's just they're, they're going to they're gonna give some, some strategies and some, some steps, some practical steps. And, and I, it's going to be a great night. I encourage you to, to, if you think, yeah, this year, I, I want to experience peace. This is not about do I have a lot or a little, but how do we experience the peace of what it means to, to know God in every area of our lives? So love to invite you to that if you think, yeah, I want this and I, I want some practical steps to, to get me started. That's something great that will be available coming up. But I'd love to just pray for us today. And I want to just pray, uh, I guess, into that reality of peace. You know, we talked about, you know, we, we know Jesus is, is bigger than anything. And my heart's desire, you know, the whole margin series, peace and, and not having schedules that are run so tight that we live our lives on edge. You know, peace and not having finances so tight we're on edge. To, to have margin in our lives, to experience the peace of God a little bit more. And how we live. If you know you'd like that, I'd love to just pray God's peace over you today. I invite you just to bow your heads right where you are. And as I just kind of ask for God's peace to be released more uh, into your life, if you want to receive that especially today, just hold your hands out in front of you right where you are. It's just a way of saying, God, I, I want to receive this from you. Lord, this morning we have gathered to lift up your name. We've gathered because we believe that Jesus, your kingdom, your kingdom is the true kingdom and that which is of lasting and eternal value. It's the kingdom that knows no rival and no equal. And Lord, we want to live as citizens of your kingdom. We want to experience the, the blessings and the peace that come from your kingdom. We want to live lives that stand out like lights in this world, that in a world full of, of tension and anxiousness, that, Lord, our lives might be little pools of peace. And so, Lord, I just want to ask, even today, that you begin releasing peace into our lives. That each person who holds out their hands wanting to receive peace that comes, not from what's in the bank account, but peace that can only come from the kingdom of God. Lord, would you release it? Peace that comes not from everything, always working out every way we want, but peace that comes from the knowledge that your kingdom will know no end. Lord, I ask that you begin to release that peace. Pray that the year ahead would be one that is lived from a place of peace. Hold you, Jesus, as Lord and King. Would you let your peace rest upon us? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say.